0: You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett, and it is quiz time. Oh, no. Quiz. Just just a little one. Okay. Just, okay. I have a couple of tweets that I'm going to read to you. Okay. These are actual tweets, and I want to see if you can guess what they have in common, okay? Uh-oh. Here's tweet number one. Job seeker tip. When customizing your cover letter, relate your qualifications and experience to the needs of the company you're applying to. Okay, that's tweet number 1. Tweet number 2 is my prize in my cracker jack box. Whoever does quality control needs to get fired.
0: Oh, I know. You do? We've been reading do this. You know? Yes, they have. Do you know? Each of these tweets has all the letters oh, of the alphabet. Oh my gosh. Right? Oh my and gosh. And there's, yes. there's a name for that.
1: Pangram tweets. How did you know this,
0: Grant? Oh I gosh. read the blogs. I also oh, follow about 600 <laughs> people on Twitter who specialize in language and puzzles. I can't believe you got that. Oh, no, but I mean, those are really good. They're really And good, these right? are accidental, right? Yes. They weren't written yes. to kind of fakely include the letters, they just happened to be real.
1: I am so impressed that you got that. <laughs>
0: I'm a man of the world. You know, Twitter you has are. reached my part of the continent. Oh,
1: that's right. There's a whole Twitter feed called Pangram Tweets. Yeah,
0: it's super awesome. Run
1: by Jesse Scheidler. Right, yeah. Right? Former
0: North American editor for the Oxford English Dictionary. Exactly. Has this program that actually searches Twitter, searches the fire hose of Twitter content to find these tweets that accidentally have all the letters. And
1: it's really weird. I mean, the, these are pangrams like the one that you use in typing class about the quick brown fox yeah, jumping over sure. the lazy sleeping dog. But yeah, as you said, these... These just happen to pop up, like (laughs) Queen Elizabeth presents Angelina Jolie as an honorary dame for work to end war zone sexual violence. That has all the letters. (laughs) And the thing is, if you read that feed, it's sort of weirdly, I don't know, they have something in common, but they don't. It's sort of like all the people on an airplane. You know, do you ever look around on an airplane and think, well, you know, we're never going to be here together again in the same way, but we have something in common. We're all going to Phoenix.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's something that we share that we yeah. don't know what it is that we all need to be in Phoenix. Yes, yeah.
1: exactly. And so, <laughs> gonna I do We're going to scatter
0: at the airport. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I really recommend this this uh, so Twitter feed.
0: Th- this Twitter feed is called Pangram Tweets. That's P-A-N-G-R-A-M. Yeah. And their characteristic is that they contain all the letters of the alphabet. Yeah. Accidentally.
1: Yep, And it's just kind of fun to check in on every once in a while.
0: Well, this is a show about words and language, the goofy stuff, the fun stuff, puzzles and questions and quizzes and riddles. We'll take your calls at 877. Seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words.
2: Hi, this is Jan. I'm calling from uh, Santa Rosa Beach, Florida.
0: Hi, Jan. How you doing? Hey, Jan. I'm great. Welcome to the show. What's going on?
2: Well, I am I'm actually from Indianapolis. I happen to be in Santa Rosa Beach on vacation this week. But um, I had a... Interesting question for you. I work as a sommelier. I'm a full time sommelier at a fine dining restaurant. How cool! I am, yeah.
1: So you're a wine it's expert. Nice gig. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: And I'm I'm also a I'm a member of the uh, Guild of Sommeliers. I'm certified uh, through the Court of Master Sommeliers. And by the way, a little background: I have a bachelor's degree in linguistics and a minor in French. And despite all of that. I can't tell anybody what the word sommelier
1: means.
0: <laughs> but you bring bringing your game. She's like, all right, let me give you my Whoa. credentials. I'm super awesome, but here's the thing I don't know.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Okay.
0: Uh, where did you get your master's in linguistics?
1: Oh, I have a bachelor's in linguistics at Indiana, from Indiana University. Okay. Very wow. good. Good school. Okay. I think the more interesting question is how did you get from there to being a sommelier? Yeah.
0: What's the path?
1: Well, I would say that was my uh, midlife
2: crisis uh, career change. I... I always had a passion for wine and I decided to start studying it and um, make it a career. So instead wow. of
0: um drinking alone binging on Netflix you decided to make <laughs> it legitimate.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know French then you probably know that it goes back to the idea of a, a pack animal, right? No, um actually no, I didn't remember that. It's been a few years. Since okay. I okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the word sommelier and actually the word sumpter in English. Um, a sumpter is a um, it's, it's a related word that means a pack animal but originally a sommelier was somebody like an officer in charge of provisions an officer who was in charge of the things that the pack animals carried whether for royalty or, or in the military and over time that word got applied specifically to somebody who deals with provisions deals with stuff and uh, mm-hmm. then it narrowed even further mm-hmm. to um, become the word for someone like you who's in charge of all those wonderful things.
0: So the the, the general sense that is carried through the centuries is a procurer mm-hmm. of the... Treats and supplies, delights, yeah. yeah, the supplies. Yeah.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, and then the pack animal okay. transfer is really interesting. That the word for the animal should then be transferred to the person. I wonder if it started as slightly pejorative or humorous. Hmm. I right? don't know. Basically, that's calling a the guy a, a donkey or an ass. Oh, <laughs> <Wait a minute.
1: laughs> I don't think that. I don't like where this is going. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably, I don't. I don't think it's. You sound going wonderful, <laughs> Jan. I doubt that. that... <laughs> I doubt that that applies. <laughs>
1: so, Jan, it seems to me that there are lots of sommeliers who come from surprising backgrounds. Like you, have a linguistics background, for example. Yes,
2: I think that's true. Um, you know, I've met many, and they they do come from a, just a varied background. Um, some people start, do start out young in the restaurant business, and then they are able to um, they just really get interested in wine through that, and then you know pursue it. But a lot of people come from a varied background.
0: If I wanted to break into the business, what's the main skill that I need to have?
2: Patience for practicing. It's uh, it, You know, it's like any other skill. It's learned. And a lot of people think that, um, you know, oh, you must have a fantastic palate. Well, mm-hmm. I have a decent palate, but most of it is tasting and remembering and uh, remembering what you've tasted and being able to apply that to, to then different um, different wines or different foods and, in terms of your
1: memory of taste. Grant, I think, you know, we've gone to Indianapolis before. I, th- we I have, think yeah. we're due for another trip.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to see the cellar. Where,
1: where can we find you?
0: Actually, I'm going to stay in the cellar. Um,
2: I am at a uh, fine dining steakhouse called Peterson's, in okay. actually in Fishers, Indiana, right. which oh, is yeah. just okay. right across the street sure. from Indianapolis.
0: All All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your call, Jan.
2: My pleasure. Thanks, Jan. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh-huh. Take
0: care now. Bye-bye. If you want to talk about the language of your job or your work world, give us a call, 877-929-9673, or email us, words at waywardradio.org.
1: Here's a great quote from Rebecca Solnit. She's the one who wrote Men Explain Things to Me.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And
1: this is about books. She writes, the object we call a book is not the real book, but its potential, like a musical score or a seed. It exists fully only in the act of being read. And its real home is inside the head of the reader, where the symphony resounds, the seed germinates. A book is a heart that only beats in the chest of another.
0: Ooh, Ooh, I like that, that, right? right? Yeah. I love that, that this inert thing Mm -hmm. on the shelf Takes mm-hmm. new life yes. when the reader's eyes yes. light upon the page. Exactly. Ooh, nice. Yeah,
1: and I love the analogy with the symphony mm-hmm. and the seed.
0: Yeah. Give us a call eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three or email words at waywardradio.org.
1: Hello, you have a way with words. Oh, hello,
3: uh, Martha. Hi. My name this? is Reed Schoonover, and I'm uh, calling about a something that my wife and I have gone round and round about for the many years we've been married.
0: Okay. Uh, Where are you, Reed? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Clintonville,
3: Wisconsin. Okay. So uh, here's the rub. My wife, Patricia, uh, who kindly consented to come back from uh, Montana uh, with me, uh, I met her while I was in graduate school out there in Missoula, has always pronounced the uh, word groceries, which I have just pronounced correctly, as groceries. (laughs) And I have pooled many people off and on over the years, and uh, here in Wisconsin. And I've never, and my wife's laughing at me here right now, I've never um, had anyone tell me that it's pronounced groceries. I suspect it's a Montana thing.
0: Well, you know, we've got some news, and I hope you pass this on to her as we're talking about it. Her pronunciation is also widespread. Oh, it is? Yeah. Well, here's the thing about this word. We're talking about G-R-O-C-E-R-Y. You can pronounce it with two syllables or three syllables, and you can pronounce it with an S in the middle or a sh, or like an sh sound in the middle. Now, most language authorities say that the S sound is preferred. However, oh, the linguistic surveys show that a staggering number of people say groceries or groceries. Lots of people, and there's a little, a little bit of a regional vari- variation there. Not much of one, where. New Englanders and Easterners might be more likely to use the S sound in grocery. And people in the Great Plains, which is close to Montana, might be more likely to use the sh sound. So mm-hmm. she probably came by that pronunciation honestly. She probably learned it from her environment, perhaps from her grocer. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Not it is, her, grocer. her <laughs> yeah, grocer. It is very, very common pronunciation.
3: Well, thank you so much for clearing that up and... Um I suppose I'll eat a little crow, but uh, not as much as I uh, uh, might have.
1: No, well, that's a good way to put you it. You know, yeah. I always have
0: to say that one of the meta narratives about this kind of call, where a couple calls us with their language disputes, is I hope that this is the way that we get out those day to day frustrations with each other. So that whatever <laughs> else we're really angry about just comes out in these useless debates. <laughs> that's
3: that's exactly the way the way it works, and. Uh, I do like um, on your website the um, I believe it's the Ingrid Bergman quote about uh, a kiss when uh, words are superfluous and uh, you know when it comes to that point it's either grocery or grocery or a kiss.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that's nice.
1: Nice. Well, you said it had been many years. It sounds like that. Oh yeah, so...
0: forty-four. Oh 44. Whoa. Congratulations on wow. that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Here's to fifty.
3: All right. Thank you so much, and thanks for answering my question. Give our
0: best to your wife, will you? Oh, I certainly will. Right. <laughs> okay. just quietly, of course. <laughs> quietly. <laughs> Take care now. All Bye right. now. Bye-bye. Bye, You will find a lot of people peeving about the grocery Groceries. pronunciation, uh-huh. but it's unfounded, and I think they just need to get over it.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we know you fight about things in your family. We don't want to hear about the laundry, but call us about the language stuff, <laughs> 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org.
1: You know, Grant, there are a lot of intentional pangrams. We were talking about pangrams earlier—the sentences that have all the letters of the alphabet mm-hmm. together. I got a couple more for you. Now, these these are intentional ones. These aren't the random tweets that I saw in that uh, Twitter feed. The explorer was frozen in his big kayak just after making queer discoveries.
0: That's great. Yeah, that's a it's good one. Great, yeah.
1: Or whenever the black fox jumped, the squirrel gazed suspiciously. That's the shortest one i found.
0: Okay. Yeah. How what? many letters is that total? 30-ish, uh 30-ish? me? To s- no, I'll, I'll count, count them, them right fine. now. No, don't one, do that. One,
1: two, three. <laughs> Call us with your language questions. 877-929-9673. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett. And hey, there he is. It's John Chinesky, our quiz guy. Hi, John. Hi, John. Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. What do you got there? Hi. Something easy, I hope?
4: Yeah, I think this, I think you'll like this one. Um, I, you know, I'm terrible at remembering adages and proverbs. I always get the last word wrong. Luckily, I can usually remember the cadence and the rhyme. For example, there's this old, old German proverb, a clear conscience is a soft willow. Wait, that's not quite right. It's a, a clear conscience is a soft willow. No, no, it's not willow. It rhymes with will. That's right. A clear conscience is a soft pillow. Uh, yes, okay. I like that. I also like a soft pillow. Well, who mm-hmm. does it? So it's with clear conscience that I share with you these proverbs from around the world. Remember, the last word is wrong. The appropriate word will rhyme with it. Here we go. Got it. Here's an Irish proverb. A drink precedes a glory. A drink precedes a story. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. That's what it is here. Let me make a note of that to myself. Very good. A drink precedes a story. Here's a Persian proverb. A broken hand works, but not a broken cart.
1: A broken hand works, but not a broken
4: heart? Yes, that's very good. That's a bittersweet one there.
1: Yes, isn't
4: it? Yeah. An Irish proverb again. A friend's eye is a good clearer. Steerer?
1: A friend's Mm -hmm. eye is a
4: good mirror. Yes, a friend's eye is a good mirror. Martha, you're good at proverbs. That's mm. good. How about this German proverb? A teacher is better than two crooks. Better books? than two books? Yes, a teacher mm. is better than two books. Good as a book if you don't have someone to help you with it's that. Better
1: than two crooks, too.
4: That's true. Either way, it works. Yeah. The Yiddish proverb. All things grow with time except beef. Grief? Mm. Yes, all ah, things grow with time good. except grief. Nice, nicely done. Scottish proverb better wear out shoes than beats. Than feet? Feets? feets? <laughs> than no. streets. No, <laughs> than meats. <laughs> than cleats. Um. I think this proverb means it's better to be an active person than a lazy person. Oh, then sheets. sheets. <laughs> yes. Better wear out shoes than sheets. I don't know. I, mean, I was going to yeah. say, I'm argue with yeah. Well, about, but... depends on what you're doing with the sheets. How about this African proverb? Do not look where you fell, but where you cripped. Tripped? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, um, well, try it again. It's close.
1: Do not look where you fell, but where you tripped? It's not that?
4: No, not where exactly tripped. Slipped. Slipped. Slipped, yes. Do mm-hmm. not look where you fell, but where you slipped. I Very like nice. That. Here's an English proverb. He that seeks trouble never kisses. No, never misses. misses. That's right. And finally, an Irish proverb. Sweet is the wine, but sour is the claimant.
1: Sweet
4: is the wine,
1: but sour, sour is, is the raiment. You have sour clothing. The claimant. <laughs> the...
4: No, not Sweet is the wine. raiment
1: but sour is the claimant, did you say?
4: That's what I said claimant, yeah. And you said raiment, and both those words were Oh, wrong the
1: payment. The...
4: Yes, uh, sweet is the wine, but yeah. sour is the payment. <laughs> nice. Very good.
1: Well, thank you, John.
4: Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Grant.
1: All right. And if you'd like to talk with us about any aspect of language at all, you can always give us a call at 877-929-9673 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words.
5: Good morning. My name is Wally Edelson, and I'm calling from Santa Rosa Beach, Florida.
1: Well, hello, Wally. Welcome to the show. Okay.
5: Back in the day, growing up in Philadelphia, wherever I went, whether it was school or a party or a trip, throughout the 30 years I lived there, my personal belongings that I carried always went into my pocketbook. But now here in the panhandle, at a recent function, I admired someone's pocketbook. And the woman said, quote, are you having a senior moment? This is a handbag. What on earth is a pocketbook? Are you serious? Hmm. I am very serious. I mean, living in this part of the state of Florida, I lived in Miami for uh, 40-some years. Mm
2: -hmm. There are
5: a lot of people here... Um, who are either snowbirds or have their second home here from Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. And they said, this is a handbag or a shoulder bag or a purse. What is a pocketbook? That's the only thing I ever called anything I put my belongings in. So I didn't know if that's a regional uh, word or a cultural word.
1: As far as we know, it's not a regional term, but it uh, it certainly is a generational term. My mother carried a pocketbook for sure.
0: Pocketbook. And so that applies just to a purse.
5: Yeah. Right. A purse, yeah. a tote bag, a mm-hmm. shoulder bag, a
0: handbook. I have no particular expertise at this, but I had always understood that a pocketbook was a very specific type. It's the small handheld one, maybe with the zipper or the clasp on top. Mm-hmm. It's probably about the size of a book and maybe has accordion size or cost size, mm-hmm. so you open it up and it'll hold just a few things uh-huh. like your money, your credit cards, ID, right. glasses, what have you. But it doesn't have a it, strap. That's what I had understood pocketbook to be.
1: Well, now what you're describing, Grant, I would call a wallet. What about you, Wally?
5: Yeah, that to me would be a wallet, but mm-hmm. whether it was uh, usually the kind of bags we carried back in the 40s, 30s, was it, was, it wasn't was very large, but it did go over my shoulder Sometimes it would be, you know, small. But I never called it anything but a pocketbook, and I didn't know if that was because of the Northeast mm-hmm. or the South didn't call it a pocketbook. Mm-hmm. I didn't. We didn't have paperbacks back then. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. Well, um, do you ever use the word purse then?
0: Now I do. <laughs> you do. For the same thing, for the same article. For the same
5: thing. So I was not having a senior moment when I called it a pocketbook.
1: Well, um, I wouldn't call it a senior moment. I would call it a maybe a generational moment. Yeah,
0: it's very what about that? Generational
5: moment. That young ladies yeah, in their all
0: 20s. My
1: friends.
5: My aunts, my grandparents, my grandmom always put stuff in her pocketbook. Mm -hmm. At Mm. least you cleared that up. I'm happy to hear that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're really glad you called, Wally. I'm sure we'll hear about this from other
5: folks. Thanks, Wally. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right, take care. Bye.
1: You know, purse is an interesting word. I didn't realize until recently that if you purse your lips, mm-hmm. it has to do with the kind of old leather purse with the le- leather strap, you know, that you draw, like, like right. purse strings.
0: Right, so it pulls everything tight. Yeah, right? and
1: so your lips look they like the top of, of a little purse, mm-hmm. you know, a little bag Very that's drawn together Very like that. Never occurred to me.
0: We know there's a generational difference in the words that you use. See if we can help you sort it out. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words.
6: Hi, good afternoon. Hi, who is this? Doug Coburn. I'm calling from uh, Brighton, Ontario, Canada.
0: Well, Doug, welcome to the show. We're really happy to talk to you.
1: Hiya, Doug. What's on your mind?
6: Well, what's on my mind is uh, my wife Linda and I always get into an argument about the word center. C-E-N-T-E-R, or C-E-N-T-R-E. We always get into this argument of which word we should be using in a sentence. And um, I just found it curious. One word with the same letters has two totally different meanings.
0: Wait, it has two different meanings or two different spellings?
6: Well, it has two different spellings and two different meanings.
0: How do you differentiate the meanings of those?
6: Um, center, C-E-N-T-E-R, is like the center of a target. Mm -hmm. Well, center, C-E-N-T-R-E, is like a um, medical center.
0: Oh, right. Like like a facility of some kind. Oh,
1: I see. Okay, so you're talking about, say, a place as opposed to the middle of something.
0: That's correct. Okay. I've never heard that meaning distinction between the two spellings, and none of the dictionaries that I know of um, make any reference at all to the fact that there may be a difference in meaning for the two spellings. They're considered equal variants of the same word.
6: Mm -hmm. Now, are you looking at American dictionary or (laughs)
0: British? I'm looking at everything, actually. I have Canadian, British, Australian, American, South African, African, (laughs) you name it. If it's in English, I have Uh. it. Yeah,
6: you got all the bases covered. Yeah, I was a dictionary editor
0: for a long time. You should see my <laughs> shelves; I have tons and tons. But it's really interesting, though, right, Martha? This this, uh, this spelling difference. There's a there's somebody to blame, I think.
1: There is somebody to blame. Noah Webster.
0: Do you know Noah's story? I
1: know that if I'm correct,
6: that after the American Revolution, he thought America should have its own language, and he took a lot of British words and dropped the U out of them.
1: He did that. I... He did a lot of. He suggested a lot of spelling changes, some of which stuck in this country, and some of which didn't. For example, he wanted to take the word soup s o u p and spell it s o o p. He thought that made more sense <laughs> and oh. looked more aesthetically uh, uh, pleasing. And the same with the word women. That one didn't stick either. He wait. Wanted...
0: The y spelling was his. No, no. <laughs> no, not the not
1: the why, but something very similar. The W I M M E N.
0: Oh. He proposed
1: that for women.
0: It's well, really interesting. And oh. that one
1: didn't stick, but center did in mm. this country. Yeah, S E R.
0: Yeah, we spell it E R, and, yeah. and it follows on many other words that the British and the Canadians also spell E R. It's only a handful of words that they do the R E spelling for, right? Right, right.
1: right. Like theater, that's for correct. example. So yeah. your
0: debate about this with your wife, uh, what what are the sides here? What's the claim?
6: Well, the argument is is that I have always been a very poor speller all my life. That gene never got passed along from my parents. My (laughs) wife, on the other hand, is a fantastic speller Uh and is very good with words. So I kind of have to defer to her.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not to blame for this. There's another really interesting thing happening in Canada you're like a piece of taffy stretched between two hands. And one of those hands is the United States and the other one is the United Kingdom, (laughs) at least in terms of spelling and language, okay?
6: (laughs) I've never heard that analogy, but it's very good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And there's a really great book so expertly done by Joe Clark a couple of years ago. It's called Organizing Our Marvelous Neighbors. You can find it online. And he uses one of the variant spellings for marvelous and one of the variant spelling for neighbors and Mm -hmm. one of the variant spelling for organizing. And the entire premise of Organizing Our Marvelous Neighbors by Joe Clark is that Canadians do not have a consistent way to spell many of these words that the British and the Americans disagree on. You guys are kind of stuck and you will find from newspaper to newspaper or from school to school, from style guide to style guide, very different opinions on exactly how these spellings should be permanently put into Canadian English.
1: Yeah. So I guess you can spell it either way. Yeah, you can. So I
6: may have a bit of... uh Ammunition here to uh, win the odd argument with uh, my wife.
0: Yeah, but it's just uh. that one word. You're also going to have to get your act <laughs> together on the rest of the words, you know. <laughs> okay.
1: We'll give our best to her, okay? Yeah,
0: and you know what? Don't worry about I this. Will, but- don't worry about the spelling. I always like to tell people that some of our greatest writers, F. Scott Fitzgerald, for example, were terrible spellers. So, so don't worry too much about it. As long as your ideas are okay. good, you're okay. All right? All right, then. Great. Okay, T- take then. care now. Thanks
1: for calling. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a okay. good day. Bye.
0: Goodbye.
1: Call us with your language disputes and questions, 877 9673 Or you can send us an email. That address is words at waywardradio.org. We put out the question about what do you call those little crusty things in your eyes when you wake up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you wake up and
0: I call them sleep and you call them eye boogers or something. No,
1: I don't call them eye boogers. I call them sleepy.
0: Sleepy. Oh, something cute, of course. Yeah.
1: We heard from Deborah in Dallas, Texas, who says that her parents immigrated from the Philippines and there that stuff in your eyes is called morning stars.
0: Morning stars. That may be the best one yet, right? Oh, I
1: know. They also in the Philippines apparently say morning glory, Mm -hmm. but her family call them morning stars which I think is really lovely.
0: Well, if you've got a term for the crusties in your eyes when you wake up in the morning, let us know, 877-929-9673, or email us, words at waywardradio.org.
7: Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Kelly Garner from Tallahassee, Florida. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show.
0: How can we help you?
7: Well, there is a phrase that I grew up hearing my grandparents say, and it's called a Georgia bath.
0: A Georgia bath, like Georgia the state?
7: Hmm. Correct. And we would travel to football games to watch the University of Florida play, and we would travel in our RV, and we would be in parking lots of stadiums, and the morning of the game, you know, we would wake up, and they would say, okay, go take your Georgia bath. And we all knew what that meant. Um and that was to go into the small bathroom of the RV and take your washcloth and a bar of soap, and you could fill up the very small sink in there, and you would wash the important parts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And that was your Georgia bath. And I never realized that it was a phrase that other people did not use, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know if they made it up, then I still say to my kids today, you know, even in the bathtub when I'm talking about a, a quick bath, we're not going to play in the bathtub. I say, let's go take a
1: Georgia bath.
0: I don't know that term. I've never heard that before. I mean, I know a bunch of other terms for different kinds of showers and baths, but not that one.
1: Yeah, the the ones where you wash just the important parts, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Kelly said, oh, there's some,
0: right? Some crass stuff that we can't say on the air, but yeah. there's things like sponge bath, which that... Kind of amounts to, right? Well,
1: growing up in Kentucky, I heard French bath all the time. Take a French bath. What's that? Um, just washing the, you know, oh, the just important part. sort of sponging yeah. off. Oh, gotcha. Where you need to sponge off. Uh, you
0: know what, Kelly? I've never heard the Georgia <laughs> bath. Let me throw a couple at you. Have you ever heard marine shower? It goes by other names, a marine shower, as in, like, the military marines.
7: Yeah, I haven't heard of that one.
0: That's when you just douse yourself with cologne or deodorant. Oh, right, Like, throw on some Axe body spray and consider yourself done. Just cover it
1: up, right? (laughs) Or maybe
0: in the previous (laughs) generations they were used high karate. (laughs) Um, And then uh, there's another one, navy shower. And this has actually been widely used in parts of the country, such as the Southeast and the West, by officials to describe the kind of bath you take when you want to save water. And the navy shower is... You turn the water on briefly to get wet, you turn it off, and you soap up. And you turn it on to rinse, and then you're done. And that's it. So your water is on maybe for two minutes max.
7: I haven't heard of that one in particular, but I've done that before. Mm-hmm. You know, if the water is really cold at a place, oh, right. Right. Yeah. you right. don't want it on you. Of course, yeah. you, you, know, you only use as much water as you have to just to get clean.
1: Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and Kelly, you mentioned that, that you went to sporting events. We
7: did. Um, we are big University of Florida Gator fans, and we would go to all the away football games, oh, okay. and I, I did kind of wonder if my grandparents had made that up, because since we're Florida fans, our one of our rivals is the University of Georgia.
1: That was my question. So I wondered if it was kind of a derogatory term. Mm, like to a bulldog order. bath or something. Yeah, Georgia bulldog <laughs> so.
0: A put-down of your opponents.
1: Huh? We need to hear from some <laughs> bulldog fans to find out if they take Florida baths, clearly.
0: Gator baths. Yeah. Gator baths. <laughs> well, Kelly, you've sprung a new one on me, and I always love when that happens. But we're going to toss this out to the universe who listens to the show and find out if they know more about it and if they use it too, all right?
7: All right. Thank you so much. All right, this has take, been so much fun. I love y'all's
0: show. Take care. Oh, Go Gators. Great.
1: Thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks. Go bye Gators. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, how do you take a bath? Well, we don't really want to know the details. <laughs> no, but if you've please. got a word for these, like, <laughs> exceptional baths, yeah. the unusual ones, the one the you quickies. take when you're a little hard up, yeah, give us a call at 877-929-9673 or email words at waywardradio.org.
1: Term for that little crust that forms in your eyes when Mm -hmm. you sleep. We heard from Rob in Johnson City, Tennessee, who says that his wife grew up calling them sleepy seeds, which I like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarah Dopp from Vermont said that when she was growing up, they called them eye winkers.
0: Eye winkers—that's a new one to me. Yeah, eye winkers in your eyes.
1: And then we heard from Tracy Willis in Indianapolis, who says that her family calls them googlies. Okay. And what's really weird is that uh, Amber wrote us to say that uh, ever since she was 10 years old, she called the stuff that accumulates in her eyes Google. Google. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She this said, I don't think I heard it from anyone else. It just seemed to fit. I also use Google referring to babies spit up, as in baby Google. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give us a call at 877-929-9673 or email words at waywardradio.org.
1: Embrace your inner word nerd. Stick around as Away with Words continues.
0: You're listening to Away with Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. Think of the place you grew up, or maybe the place you live now. Who is the writer whose work best evokes the sense of being in that place? When I was 14, my family moved from my native Kentucky to central Florida, and we lived there for just a year. And my ninth grade English class was assigned to read a story by Kentucky writer Jesse Stewart. And, Grant, I can remember sitting there in the Sunshine State reading his writing about the change of seasons Mm -hmm. back home in Kentucky, which I had missed, and uh, it absolutely gave me goosebumps. I want to read a passage from that same piece that I just loved, it has to do with a place called W Hollow. And he writes, "W Hollow is a place in the sun, fenced in by the wind. It's just a place with four seasons, wind, sun, rain, snow, with scrub oaks and old log houses and new plank shacks, a place that's somewhere for some and nowhere for most. In the spring, you can hear the beetles and the whippoorwills, You can hear the wind slushing around in the leaves. In the summer, you can hear the wind and the corn blades parleying around. You can hear the grasshoppers and the crickets. You can hear the lazy wind. The whole hollow looks lazy in the summer sun. And the sun always shines on W. Hollow in Kentucky. It never reaches some of it until noon. But it gets there. Nice. I've been in hollows like that in Kentucky. It's not exactly where I grew up, but I've spent a considerable amount of time in those kinds of hollows. And there was something about uh, the writing of Jesse Stewart that always takes me to that Because he
0: was one of your people? You felt yeah. like an insider, like you were part of the same group or same set?
1: Yeah. Well, he just evoked, I think in a really physical, sensuous mm-hmm. way, um, what I had experienced physically and uh, and I'm just wondering, do you do you have uh, of course I do. Like I have one your... to
0: match you. I left Missouri after about twenty two years there, and I still basically think of myself as about a third Missourian mm-hmm. and um the other another third New Yorker, and I guess the new third's Californian. We'll yeah, see how that goes, yeah. but at the bottom of that was always having to explain to the world around me what it meant to be from Missouri because there was a lot of misunderstanding and There's a really nice passage in the nineteen eighty two book. Blue Highways by William Least Heat Moon, Mm -hmm. also known as Bill Trogdon. It's a book that he wrote after he divorced and then drove a truck around the country. And he talks about what it means to be a Missourian, which he is Mm -hmm. and which I am. He writes, A Missourian gets used to Southerners thinking him a Yankee, a Northerner considering him a cracker, a Westerner sneering at his effete Easternness, and the Easterner taking him for a cowhand. And that is literally what it is. You just can't win. <laughs> I once applied for a job in the Virgin Islands, and the editor of the newspaper there thought for sure that I must be a, a racist because of the way that Missouri had fallen, uh, you know, which politically um, during the Civil War. Mm. She just assumed that everyone really? from Missouri must oh, be, wow. a, you know, a dyed in the wool racist who wanted to bring back the confederacy and so as a missourian you frequently encounter that sometimes you're lumped in with ohio which makes Uh no sense to missourians some people think that it's it's basically montana Mm -hmm. you know there must be giant cattle ranches they just have no idea really
1: yeah well you're right there in the middle Mm -hmm. so you're not really southern and you're not really yeah exactly missouri itself is i
0: mean i could write a whole treatise on this missouri is divided many ways and if we were to redraw the map of the united states based upon people's allegiances to ideas uh-huh. or language or point of origin, Missouri wouldn't exist. It's just only lines on a map.
1: Well I think it's a really interesting question to ask what writer really sums up a state. Mm-hmm. I know I know that's that's, that's hard a hard to a big do ticket, right. Yeah. But but I, I wonder um I, I'd love to hear from our listeners. Yeah,
0: sure. If you have a book or a passage or a line or two that for you represents who you are and where you're from, whether it's your adopted home or your birth home, let us know. Words at waywardradio.org or 877-929-9673.
1: Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Mi Vong. Where are you calling
0: from, Me?
8: I'm calling from Green Bay, Wisconsin.
0: Welcome to the show. How can we help
8: you? I'm a firstborn generation Vietnamese American, and um, I didn't speak English until I was six. And I remember going through... Um, going through um kindergarten uh wondering um because back then they didn't have ESL. You know, English was a second language to mm-hmm. teach us. And I remember uh the teacher was trying to teach us the alphabet and everything and the uh, teacher told me to go up there and try to you know spell a word and um told me to spell Apple and it was the first letter so, you know, the A had to be capitalized but Instead of me making the A tall, I made the smaller A just taller. Instead of making you know, the capital A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she said I was wrong, but then I asked her. I was like, "Well, why is like a, a small C like a big C? You know, a, a small O is a big O. You know, a P. You know, a P is a big P and V and W. Other letters like A, Q. You know, and G." and so on and so forth, are like different, you know, different letter sizes, different letter shapes. Mm
4: -hmm. Right.
0: Oh, what an interesting question. Mm -hmm. That's a really... Yeah, and she
8: she couldn't answer it, and then she said, she told me, it just is.
0: (laughs) 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 Because I said so.
8: Exactly. So I was like, "Okay, that me, like white's not white; it's purple because I said so." Oh,
0: no, <laughs> okay. We can help you with this. It's complicated, but I think I can give you a short answer here that'll allow you to research this a little more. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So the first thing you've got to understand that the alphabet, as we know it, came to us. It, it's um, it's not even second hand. It's like a sixth hand alphabet. It has literally been passed from generation to generation so often that it's become corrupted. So keep that corruption in mind originally our alphabet most of it came from the phoenicians and then it was borrowed by the greeks who took the sounds of the letters and applied them to their own language even though they didn't share very much vocabulary at all and then the greek letters were borrowed by the etruscans which were in turn borrowed by the roman peoples and the italians so this is messy and every single time that happened. The culture made a change. Well, we don't have that sound, but we like that letter. We're going to use it for some other purpose. And you've also got to remember that in there somewhere, there were only capital letters. Many languages did not have lowercase letters. So in, in the language trade, we'd call those majuscules, are the big letters, and minuscules are the lowercase letters. And so once they needed those lowercase letters, for usually for handwriting, uh, scribes needed them. It's faster to write certain kinds of letters then they they borrowed again from the same alphabet sets, only this time they wrote them a little differently. And then the lowercase letters started transforming over the centuries or the millennia in their own way, and sometimes separately from the capital letters. That's the short, short, short version. Do you want a really good book that will give you more?
8: (laughs) Wow, that's That's the short version. A, re- <laughs>
0: a really great book that is totally readable by anyone is the book Letter Perfect, and the author is David Sachs, S-A-C-K-S.
1: And he's really, really passionate about this topic, and the book is very, very readable.
8: Okay, that's cool. So you were telling me, you know, all of these cultures that put all of these letters together. Yeah. So. Are we literally going over thousands of obviously thousands of years here, or like across you know time here, or yeah. what's the time range here? At least at?
0: at least as early as 700 BC. Though it probably dates back even further, probably 900 or even a thousand years BC. Wow! So th- okay. three millennia.
1: Me, we All appreciate right. your calling.
0: Okay, thanks. Take care now. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.
1: is the number to call, or send us email. That address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello,
0: this
9: is Carolyn Cernich from Humboldt County,
1: California. Hi, Carolyn, welcome to the show.
0: How are you doing? What can we help you with?
9: Well, uh, we have a little challenge. Uh, I am um, the elections official in Humboldt County, and one of the things that we have to do is record... uh, all the ballot information, exactly as it's presented to us, uh, for use on um, uh, equipment that is accessible to people who have disabilities, Mm -hmm. and something that we've come across in recent years, and it seems to be getting more and more common, is the use of slash. For example, a uh, candidate for perhaps a school board will describe himself as attorney-slash-father. Or because jurisdictions are limited in the number of words they can use on the ballot uh, when they're presenting their uh, initiative to the to the voters, they'll use phrases like public safety-slash-essential services measure mm-hmm. or um, a phrase like constructing-slash-acquiring facilities. And our problem is how do you... How do you say that? Because a voter who would read those words, attorney slash father, would probably see it as this person is an attorney and a father. Mm-hmm. But, but the slash may not mean and in the case of public safety essential services measure. Mm-hmm. It's more like and or,
1: mm-hmm. or perhaps right. or. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And so or you're talking
1: a, about, about hearing that?
0: Like people with disabilities? So it's people with impaired vision. You are reading right. them and they are listening to the audio, right?
9: That's right, yes. And and it's it, the law in California is very particular about uh, I have to present it exactly as it's presented to me. Mm-hmm. So do I say slash? Do I say and or and or and slash or?
0: I think you, you have be? in your question, Karen, I think you have your answer. It is slash. This is widely used in a variety of contexts throughout um, English in all the continents where English is spoken. And almost everyone says slash except for some of the people in in the UK who might say stroke instead. So they might say actor stroke model. Um, Actor slash model, for example, is a very common phrase. So common it appears in some dictionaries, meaning somebody who is an actor and a model. We have a number of different cases in English where we do read punctuation and we say the punctuation. For example, if we're talking about radio frequencies, we might say 103.3. We're saying point for the punctuation to indicate that's yes. what it is. And you're right. It's, I'm sorry? Or, dot or .com. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dot .com, exactly. You're right in that it is serving as a conjunction here. You might call it a coordinating conjunction or just a coordinator, depending on which language authority you're going to follow. And um, a lot has been written about this because it's a relatively, uh, let's not say it's a new phenomenon, but let's say that it's newly looked at. Uh, Jeffrey Pullum looked at it and Anne Curzan have looked at it, two linguists that we know and respect. And if you, if you want, we'll post links to their stuff online. But they've talked very specifically about how particularly among the younger set slash can be used to separate two ideas in the same way that a semicolon may separate two ideas. Mm-hmm. They're kind of related but not exactly related. And
1: don't they use the word slash written Yes, out? they
0: do, yeah. yeah and text messages folks. and emails, yeah. the younger folks may actually spell out the word slash rather than putting the slash. I like how much you've thought about this and that you realize that sometimes the slash is serving as a joining conjunction or a, a kind of a logical conjunction that says either or.
1: So it sounds like you're headed in the right direction there. It yeah, sounds like I that's would just the say slash. Yeah. I think
0: it's widespread enough. Um, And many language authorities, again, have talked about it as being a real thing. So I think you're on safe ground there. Okay. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, good luck.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Well, what linguistic problems are vexing you at work? Let us know about it. 877-929-9673 is the number to call. Or send your emails to words at waywardradio.org.
0: seems like there's a whole subculture on Instagram of only posting photos of Starbucks cups that get your name wrong, right? <laughs> so if you have a really complicated name or even yeah. a simple one, uh-huh. it's amazing how many spellings the baristas at Starbucks will come up with. Uh-huh. When and they ask a, for your name. Yeah, and so they, some people yeah. have started adopting coffee nymphs, which is they come up with a simple name for themselves, which can't be confused and is easy to understand. Oh, so, interesting. So Jack. Yeah. Very simple, one syllable, easy to spell words. The coffee nymph. So it goes I along like with that. your nom de guerre, nom de plume. I like and, that. Right? It
1: could be a javanim, too. Javanim. I kind of like that. But, but coffee
0: nym has some legs. People have started to use it.
1: I think Elvis is a good one.
0: Elvis is great. Who yeah. else is? Yeah, and everybody will look at you, and you'll have right? your moment in the spotlight. Exactly. I usually make coffee at home, and so I don't use a coffee name, but grant is surprisingly hard for people to remember. Yeah. The, the gram? No, Gra- it's not. Yeah. It's grant. Yeah. Grant. <laughs> Or is the British a "grant"? Give me and Martita a call, 877-929-9673, or email us, words at waywardradio.org.
10: Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, Martha, this is Jennifer. I am calling from Traverse City, Michigan. Hey, Jennifer,
0: welcome. What's up? What can we do for you?
10: I have a question about the word reef, R-E-E-F. And I'm just wondering if you can help me understand uh, some current usage of that word.
0: Oh, yes, please.
10: Um, I have been married to my husband for 19 years, and I think that this word might come from his family um, because a lot of my friends and family, of my own friends and my own family, do not know this word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm not sure if it's a family word or where this word, um, the usage of this word has kind of um, originated from. Uh And how do you use it? I guess the best way to describe it is if um, the word reef is being used as if you're applying a lot of pressure or a lot of torque in order to like, open something or pry something open, something of that nature.
1: Oh, so you would be reefing? Yes. So reefing a jar or reefing a hmm. a window right. that's stuck or okay.
10: something like that? Exactly. Yes, exactly.
0: Is your husband's family, are they, are they sailors?
10: My husband actually was in the Navy um for a couple of years, but um and he does have an uncle who was in the Navy as well but I believe that's as far as it goes.
0: Here's why I asked that question, because we're pretty sure that this use of reef comes from sailing originally. And we okay. find it um, in citations in the Dictionary of American Regional English throughout the northern part of the United States. But there is when you reef in sailing, you take off part of a sail that's meant to be taken off in order to reduce the amount of surface area so that the the Boat doesn't go as fast, basically, and that's reefing, and it requires very vigorous motion to do that. There's a certain kind of jerking, I think, that you do to get it off there. And um, the the citations for this go back to the mid 1950s, so it's probably older than that. And I would not be surprised if he learned this um, just from his environment, probably not from the Navy, because the the citations are literally from your part of the country, like the Dictionary of American Regional English shows Michigan citations and Great Lakes citations. So it's probably, maybe it's sailors on the Great Lakes use this. I don't know.
10: Yeah, I knew it had some kind of nautical reference. Um, I'm not a big sailor, so I didn't know exactly what it meant. Um, And when I was finding some of my own um, friends and family were surprised by this word, I did go and look it up in the dictionary, Mm -hmm. and I didn't see this kind of... um, definition for it, I did see the nautical term, and so I suspected it maybe had roots there, but I wasn't sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why, um, you know, we have all these words in our daily vocabulary which are not recorded in mainstream dictionaries because they're not widely used, but they're widely enough used that specialty dictionaries like the Dictionary of American Regional English will put them in print for exactly ah. the reason that we're we're here today, which is plenty of people use it, just not everybody. Ah. So, yeah, so yeah, it means it comes from sailing. It means to push or pull with a lot of force.
10: Oh, well, great. Thank you
1: so much for clarifying that.
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks for calling. Really appreciate it. Take care now.
1: Absolutely. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, is there a word that has you puzzled? Call us about it, 877 929 9673 or send it an email to words at waywardradio.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter at wayward. Things have come to That's all for today's end. broadcast, but don't wait till next week to chat with us. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, or SoundCloud.
0: Check out our website, too, at waywardradio.org, where you'll find a dictionary, a newsletter, mobile apps, and a discussion forum. And you can listen to hundreds of past episodes for free.
1: You can also leave us a message anytime, day or night, at 877-929-9673. Share your family's stories about language. Or ask us to resolve language disputes at work, home, or in school. You can also email us. That address is words at waywardradio.org.
0: Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. The show is directed and edited this week by Tim Felton. We have production help from James Ramsey and Tamar Wittenberg. Away With Words is independently produced and distributed by Wayward, Inc., a nonprofit supported by listeners and organizations who believe in lifelong learning and better human communication.
1: The show is coming to you from the Recording Arts Center at Studio West in San Diego, California. Thanks for listening. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett. Bye bye.
1: So long.
5: Tomato and I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing
1: off.
5: But oh if we call the whole thing